hello. Just a heads up about this episode of Canada's Court. This episode was recorded before Pascal Siakam signed his max four-year extension. Uh, there is some discussion about Pascal Siakam's uh, extension discussions and what was going on there. So uh, please keep that in mind. We thought the episode was still good to uh, have lots of interesting conversations, including that bit about Pascal Siakam and why the Raptors would be interested in doing it. That's all. Uh, enjoy. You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. It's that time once again. Finally, as I'm recording this, we are just a few days from the start of the NBA season. And the coronation of the 2019 NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors. I'm still not tired of saying that. And uh, on the line to talk with me about it is Sean Woodley, contributor to TSN, host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, and co-author of We the Champs. Sean, thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thanks for having me, Phil. So uh, how are you feeling? Just a few days from the Raptors getting their rings. I'm pretty juiced up, man. I, uh, I watched that uh, Raptors-Nets preseason game and was thoroughly thrilled watching all of the olds on the Raptors just kind of dissect the, the Nets in a, just like a really like sort of fundamental and beautiful way. And, and watching Pascal Siakam sort of flex his muscles a bit as the number one guy has got me excited to watch that. I know there's like a bit of a downer over the game because Zion Williamson's not going to play on Tuesday and also just sort of over the season as Kawhi Leonard's no longer around. But I think this team is going to be insanely fun to watch with not that much in the way of stakes or expectations. Um, And I mean, usually expectations lead to disappointment. Last season, that wasn't the case because they ended up winning the thing. But most of the time, think of the last few years when the Raptors had expectations, things get really sort of hairy and like discontent there's sort of abounds after after they lose think back to 2013-14 though the year where this all kind of started when there were no expectations at all in fact the expectation was the opposite it was to tank and try to go after Andrew Wiggins which oh my god good thing they didn't do that Um, (laughs) but like that season when they turned it around there was no ill will when they lost that game to the Nets in game seven in the first round I mean yes it was disappointing in the moment but for the most part it was just like wow this this was amazing this was the best basketball we've seen in over a decade this was unbelievable and I I think that is going to sort of be the vibe of this team this season you know lots of people expecting them to win like 45 games some people predicting them to make the miss the playoffs which is insane to me (laughs) uh this is a really sort of talented and well-oiled machine of a team that I think is going to you know kind of surprise some people this season and I think this season is going to just be a delight to watch I think you uh you hit the nail on the head there there's just coming to this year there's just no real stress or expectations at least from my point of view for Raptors fans I mean you've got the only thing you've ever wanted in the championship and now it's like well if we don't do as good this year whatever we got the championship so uh that certainly uh just takes a lot of the uh Raptors fans stress out of it which is a pretty (laughs) intense thing at times uh so definitely uh, (laughs) go ahead sorry Oh, no, I was just going to say, if ever you get to the point during the season where you feel sad or something, just find one of the many pieces of Raptors Championship merch you probably bought. <laughs> just sort of, like, swaddle yourself in it, and you'll feel better, and you'll look ahead and not feel so bad about the next game. 
Anytime uh, I've seen news about Kawhi Leonard, I just uh, put on that championship hat, and it makes me feel better. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about this later, but another thing people should do if they uh, if they uh, are feeling a little bit down about the season, they should pick up your book and just uh, relive the whole experience. I know that's what uh, my plan is. I've got it right on my coffee table, so you know if the <laughs> Raptors are down 25 against the Suns for some reason, I can just grab the book and remember better days. Uh, that's I would advise that. <laughs> so uh, I've got a few just uh, Raptors related random questions here. We'll yeah. start with uh, this one. Who who are you most looking forward to watching on the Raptors this season? The easy one kind of feels like Pascal Siakam because he is you know stepping up in responsibility. He's going to be the number one option now. Uh, and I mean, even last night against the Nets, you know, there were some plays where he wasn't quite sort of refined with his handle. He had a couple turnovers here and there, but then he'll completely blow you away with like a transition breakout where he spins and fires to the corner for a wide open three. And it's just, he is really sort of, it seems every single day adding to his repertoire and sort of learning things. He said himself in the summer, he's like, the things I'm really, I'm not very good at are just stuff that I haven't done very much, which is kind of an awesome thing to say. Um, and sort of alludes to the fact that he's just sort of learned on the fly so quickly here over the last couple seasons, and I'm sure the playoff run didn't hurt things there, considering he went up against maybe the most insane defensive gauntlet in terms of individual opponents that any, anyone's ever seen with Jonathan Isaac, uh, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then Draymond Green. I mean, that's like three of the five best defenders on earth, and then one guy who might be one of those guys one day. So um, he, he really sort of, I think, took a lot in last year, and it's going to be a blast to watch him put all, all of what he learned last spring to use as the number one guy for this team. And, you know, like I said, this is just going to be a really fun team to watch in general. I think I'm really excited to watch Marcus Gasol, who, you know, kind of took, took a step back in terms of his usage and stuff like that after he was acquired by the Raptors last season just because it kind of necessitated that because there was so much talent on the team. But watching him this year, I think, sort of work the elbows, find cutters, pick up cutters with his beautiful passing, and just sort of do all the Mark Gasol things that made him one of the most delightful players to watch over the course of the whole decade, getting to see him do that all season long is going to be really, really fun. And also Kyle Lowry. I mean, how can you not love watching Kyle Lowry? Last night, he comes out, he's pushing the pace, he throws that insane pass off of like a fake three down underneath to OG Ananobi. He does things every single day that are that are awesome to watch, too. So those would be my three, I guess. But like I said, th there's not really a bad guy to watch on this team. They're all so just aware of what needs to be done, and they're all so smart. Everyone loves to pass. It's just going to be such a fun team to watch as they uh, try to overcome the, the lack of expectation of them coming into the year. And you, uh, you alluded to it there. Uh, Mark Gasol and Kyle Lowry both kind of took on reduced, at least scoring roles last season. Those guys, I know they're another year older, but they're certainly capable of uh, putting points on the board. And, you know, uh, Serge Ibaka can uh, get a few more buckets, too, and then some of those young guys. So I think, uh, obviously, you can't replace a player like Kawhi Leonard, but you have the pieces that can kind of start to fill his role, right? So I think uh, I think you're right. There's just so many players to, uh, that are going to be fun to watch. I'm excited to see uh, – Norman Powell this year and, and what he can do mm -hmm. if he gets that starting spot. Uh, any any idea yet what that starting lineup's going to look like? I know you've got uh, we've got Pascal and Kyle Lowry are kind of the guaranteed starters, and then the the shift between Mark and Serge and I assume OG will start. But uh, what what do you think about that shooting guard spot? 
Yeah, I think like you said, the, there's four spots that I think are pretty much guaranteed. I think Gasol's going to start most games. There might be some matchups where he uh, takes a seat behind Serge Ibaka, but I think Gasol's going to start next to Pascal. OG will be at the three, Kyle at the one. And then, yeah, the shooting guard spot, it's interesting because I feel like right now Fred VanVleet has the lead in terms of competition, even though both him and Norm have been very good so far in preseason. Um, I, I think it just seems like, from what Nick Nurse has said and just from what reporters around the team are saying, it seems like Fred VanVleet kind of has the inside track. He started last night in what was deemed by Nick Nurse to be sort of a tune-up for the regular season, a bit of a dress rehearsal. So we, we should probably take that into account. Although I kind of think by, you know, midway through the season or season, like even just like a third of the way through the year, I think we're going to see Norm take that job. I just feel like, Think back to the times when Norm Powell has been successful for the Raptors. Obviously, playing the Bucks anytime is one. And then the other one <laughs> is, you know, when he has been like a fifth starter. You know, think back to that Bucks series in 2017 when he subbed in and was put in as, as the starting small ball three. He had the ball swing around to him and he would take advantage of that really aggressive Bucks defense and attack them and just destroy them. And there's, you know, think back to when Damari Carroll was taken off the second night of back-to-backs when you'd sub Norm in for Damari Carroll that season in 2016 or 17. And when that happened, he was just, there was so much space for him to work with. He wasn't asked to be the number one creator on the team, which he's not very good at. He's not a great playmaker. He's kind of a one-track mind type of guy. But if you're attacking the, the defense that is out of position and rotating with 10 seconds on the clock, that's where Norm is really dangerous, and he was a really good three-point shooter last season, too. He shot 40% from three. He's done that twice in his career. Now, we still don't really know exactly what kind of three-point shooter he is, um, but if he is something close to a 40% three-point shooter, that fits really nicely in the starting five. And so I just think his skills are suited to being the fifth guy in a lineup as opposed to being the number one or two option with a bench unit. And that you know kind of goes for Fred VanVleet as well. I mean, he's very, very good as a fifth option. He's a great catch-and-shoot shooter, obviously, but... I think with this season with Fred, what's really important is to figure out what can he be. We know what he is right now, but what more can he do? And I think if you think back to other versions of the bench mob, it's either been DeLon Wright, who was sort of the main guy who was creating and breaking down defenses, or it's just not been a very good second unit. And, and that's because of Fred Van Vliet's propensity to sort of over dribble, not really have much chemistry with his bigs in, term of, in terms of pick and roll connection. And I want to see what he can do with that this season because he's up for a contract after this year. If he's going to be part of the team going forward, you have to know that he can be a starting point guard. And I just don't know if you're going to learn enough about what Fred can do as a starter, as the sort of guy who's creating everything on offense for you, if he's the fifth guy or fourth guy in the Raptors starting five. Um, and I just think he'll be better suited to being in the second unit as well. And also just think about the Eastern Conference, there's not many teams that are super small where you can go with two point guards in the backcourt. I mean, Philadelphia is huge. Josh Richardson is going to be too much, I think, for Fred VanVleet, as good as he is defensively. Chris Middleton's too much, I think. Um, or even Wes Matthews, whoever's going to start for the Bucks. You know, the, the, the Heat are going to start Jimmy Butler. Like, all these teams start pretty big uh, in their backcourt, and I just wonder if maybe Fred VanVleet would be better suited defensively to play more point guard as the second unit guy. If he's still going to close games, like, that's going to happen for sure. I think he's going to close more games than Norm, but in terms of starting, I'd like to see Norm start and, and Fred come off the bench. Now, all this uh, lineup discussion could be worthless if by the time the trade deadline comes, we see a lot of a lot of moves. Do you? What's your kind of thoughts on that? Do you think we're going to see uh, people like uh, Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka traded away, or are they going to go for more of the uh, the victory lap and the 
let's stay good and, and see what kind of reputation that earns us with upcoming free agents. Yeah, I think it's going to be the second option for sure. I think, you know, there was a lot of sort of response when Kyle Lowry signed his one-year extension that was like, oh, this makes him a more attractive trade asset. And it's just like, I kind of think you're missing the point of the deal if the first thing you jump to is trades here. Like, this is a way to extend an olive branch to Kyle Lowry to thank him for all he's done for the team and to, I think, ensure they go out on good terms with him because it's important that they do. You know, they've had bad relationships or bad endings to relationships with pretty much all their stars before uh, Kyle Lowry. And I just think it's really necessary for him to go out on good terms there. And there was just, there was no incentive really to trade him this season, I don't think, because look, I mean, yes, you could get like a middling first round pick at, at the very best. You're probably getting something in the 20s because the teams that are going to want Kyle Lowry are teams that are going to be picking in the 20s because he's a guy who can sort of make a difference between a very, very good team and, a, and an actual championship contender. Um, and maybe there'll be a bidding war. Maybe some team will be out there thinking they have a chance to win the title and will go all in to get Kyle Lowry. I just kind of think a lot of those teams kind of burned all their stuff in the offseason. I mean, the, the Lakers don't have much to trade right now. He'd be a great fit there. I don't, they don't really have anything to trade. Uh, the Clippers just traded all of their picks until 2035 or whatever to get Paul George. They're not getting Kyle Lowry. And I just think you're not going to get enough back for Kyle Lowry to warrant trading him and sort of the, the emotional hit that's going to take on him and the relationship with him and the fan base as well. I just... You know, like imagine it's mid-February, they're on the road, and they just unceremoniously trade away Kyle Lowry for the 24th pick. I mean, that would feel kind of ghoulish, and I don't think Masai Ujiri, while he has that sort of reputation as someone who's very shrewd and doesn't care about sentimentality, I think he proved with what he said about Kyle Lowry and also in the contract he gave out to him that he does believe in that stuff, and that stuff is important for you know your image as a franchise and going down the road if you are trying to recruit people to your team. If you're just perceived as this team that'll cast people off just willy-nilly like they did with DeMar DeRozan and now with Kyle Lowry, if they were to trade him, that's going to really hamper your ability to, to convince free agents to come and play with you and spend their prime years playing for you when they're not really sure you know, if, if they're safe at any moment or not. And so that that's, I, I think, Kyle Lowry's definitely safe. I, I think also Gasol and Ibaka, I mean, you're not going to get much back for those guys. Those guys are in their 30s. They're making 20 or $30 million. They are not easy to trade. And they're going to be more valuable to the Raptors in a sort of a noble title defense push than they would than the second rounders they're going to retrieve in a trade along with cap filler uh, would be to the team. I, I just don't think there's enough out there in terms of trade assets that you're going to get back for them to really warrant trading them. And there's a lot of value in being good and going to the playoffs, as we've seen. The Raptors aren't a team like they've proven. They don't need to tank to win. They've proven you can build from the middle, be competitive while also planning for the future. And like that, why you know, deviate from that model. And I think, you know, they haven't really gone about the business of trading away their expiring creatives in the past. They just sort of let it happen and figure it out. The cap space that'll open up with Ibaka and Gasol leaving, that will have value in itself. And so I just don't think they're going to be bad enough, first of all, to warrant that. If they are, you know, 15 and 20 at some point in the season, maybe they start to look at it. I just think this team's going to be too good for that. And I think, you know, we're going to come to the deadline and it'll be well above 500. And if there is a trade to be made, I think they're going to make a trade to add as opposed to take away. And I'm not saying that'll happen or not. I just think if there is a trade out there, that'll be the route they go. Because I think, you know, there's value in being competitive. And the Eastern Conference is not super deep. And there's two teams up top. And we proved last year, you know, we saw exactly what happens in the finals. One injury happens and boom, things can really change for you. And so I think the Raptors are going to keep themselves in that position to strike if weird basketball stuff happens and potentially add if, uh, if the opportunity comes.
I think you you make an excellent point there, and it matters what the Raptors are getting back, right? I mean, when when Masai made that trade to get Ka- Kawhi and traded away to Mar, he was getting Kawhi Leonard. He wasn't just yeah. getting a second round pick. It was a tough tough decision to make for sure, but it, you were getting something of quality. When it comes to picking up a twentieth pick or a second round pick, I don't think he's it's going to be quite the same as you've said as trading for a, a Kawhi Leonard. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I just don't see them making a move when, as you said, they could. It's not a long shot to say they're the, the third seed in the East, and mm-hmm. then you're probably going to the second round. And as you said, who knows what could happen in a second round and a third round with injuries. And, uh, yeah, I think it could be uh, – a very worthwhile endeavor to to keep the the guys you got around and help them develop some of the young guys too, right? Because I mean, having Marcus totally. all around uh, Pascal Siakam is is going to help you in all sorts of ways. So uh, definitely, uh, I'd agree with you on that. On Pascal, have you heard any more about uh, the potential contract extension there? I know we're getting close to that deadline. Nothing since the Chris Haynes report, um, and I. I I was a little curious when the when the thing came out, when that report did come out, because I just didn't really think that was the way this was going to track. I figured the Raptors would want to keep their sort of powder dry next summer, go in with only $7 million of a cap hold of Pascal Siakam on, on the books, and then just sort of use their cap space in whatever way they wanted. But if that's the report, and, and it suggests that they're going to come to a deal by the time we get there, then it, by we get to, by the time we get to Tuesday, then I, I, I'm cool with it. I think... Look, the, ne- the free agent class next summer is really, really bad. And if you go in with a lot of money, I'm not saying the Raptors are go and spend bad money and sort of get themselves tied into bad contracts, but that's what all teams do. It just happens. You know, you get sort of crazy in, in the offseason wanting to improve, and then, you know, all of a sudden, oh, look at all this cap space we have. We just spent it on Damari Carroll. <laughs> and then, you know, you can kind of get into trouble that way. So it's almost protecting them from themselves a little bit, I think, if they just give it to Pascal Siakam. It's also, you know, a bit of a sign of good faith, right? I mean, yes, they could probably wait another year and see if Pascal is a true number one, but they believe in him. They believe in their development program. They believe in what what he's going to be able to do. And we already saw that he can be the second-best team on a title, second-best player or third-best player, whatever it is, on a title team. That's worth paying a max to. Like, it just is. And so I think they're probably just going to do it, and that'll be a good sign to him that'll avoid any weirdness next summer where maybe, you know, you'll have rights to match any deal someone throws his way if he hits RFA. But, you know, you don't want to have to deal with weird contracts that, you know, maybe some team gives him like a two plus one just to screw with the Raptors. Maybe they give him a weird, weirdly structured contract. Maybe they sort of screw with you that way. I don't think we'll see that. I think they'll just give it to them, and they'll be happy with it, and they'll go into next summer with not a ton of room, but then they'll go into the summer afterwards, which they were going to go in with Pascal making a lot of money anyway, and they will have a lot of cap space to work with, and that's not going to really derail their plans because that's the summer 2021 that they really seem to be sort of targeting uh, with all their moves here. So um, if the Siakam thing comes down, great. I'm glad he gets paid. I'm glad they sort of showed that faith in him, and I think it's a good sort of – sign of what the Raptors are about and that they're going to take care of their guys. Now, we talked a bit about expectations. What do you uh, realistically expect the Raptors to to finish this season? I have officially picked them to go 51 and 31, finish either third or fourth in the East, depending on sort of how Boston and Miami look. I think those are the other two teams they're kind of in the running for with um, the Eastern Conference home court spots. Uh, so I think they win 51 games. I think they uh, win, a round of the, win a round in the first round and then sort of lose triumphantly in the second round in a sort of 
tougher than expected series against either Philly or Milwaukee, probably Philly. Um, but look, there's a chance that they finish higher. You know, Milwaukee is probably going to win a bunch of games. They're really, really good. They know exactly what they are. But Philly's going to take some time to figure things out. I've picked Philly to win the title. I think they're really, really good. And I think their defense is going to be transcendent. But they're going to take some time, I think, to figure out what their offense looks like. And it might take some time to rack up wins for them. And they might finish like third or fourth in the East as they sort of sort through things over there um, and hopefully sort of manage Joel Embiid a little bit better too and not force him to play 38 minutes a game so they win all the time. Um, so while I think, you know, the, the Raptors are very clearly at, at best the third team in the Eastern Conference, like the third best, they could finish a little bit higher if things break their way. Um, and, you know, maybe the playoff matchups get a little kooky that way. And maybe like Philadelphia is forced to play Milwaukee in the first round or something crazy like that, or in the second round and throws off the bracket in some insane way. So even more reason, I think, for the Raptors to keep things together going forward. Absolutely. And uh, just as we're wrapping up here, I do want to talk a bit about We the Champs. Uh, and it's got the forward by Jack Armstrong. So, you know, if it's got a forward by Jack Armstrong, it's <laughs> got to be good. And when I do, I have to say, when I do read the forward, I hear it in his voice. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Uh, what was it like uh, putting this uh, book together? It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was very quick. Uh, Alex Wong, my co-author, came to me because uh, he was offered to do it. And he just didn't have the time to turn it around in the time they needed it turned around. Because we started, I think, writing it the Wednesday before the finals. The finals started on Thursday, so it was the day before the finals started where we signed our contract and we're good to go. And we had to have, like, 90% of the book in for the Monday. We had to have, like, you know, all the game recaps from the first three series, a whole bunch of profiles and stuff written. It was nuts. It was a really quick turnaround. It was really fun to put together. My favorite part of it was kind of going back and watching all the condensed games throughout the playoffs to sort of, uh, you just refresh my memory of what happened in these games. And just, there's so much stuff that happened where it's like, oh, my God, that happened, too. I forgot Kawhi, you know, dunked on Joel Embiid in game five of the second round. Uh, I forgot about all this wild stuff that took place at the start of the Bucks series. And it was uh, it was really cool to go back and, and sort of review it all that way. And, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was so cool when they won the title to, like, put out the link. Like, hey, no, we have this book now. You can go buy it. And, like, the response was wonderful. Raptors fans are insane. I think they broke Amazon for a little bit because <laughs> uh, they didn't expect the amount of uh, orders they were going to get. So they had to, like, restock. People were getting emails like, oh, you're going to get your book in October. And it's like, no, 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 that's not happening. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it. Don't worry. Um, but, yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty cool response, and it was really fun to put together with Alex. And having Jack involved was the best because Jack is the best. <laughs> and uh, it's funny you mentioned that you hear it in his voice. We actually – had him dictate the, the forward to Alex. I mean, Alex uh, called him up one day and we didn't, because Jack's busy, right? We didn't want to make him sit down and write a thing. So we were just like, all right, we're going to put the phone on record and you just talk about what it would mean if the Raptors won the title. And that's what came out, except <laughs> he had like 25 minutes of content that Alex had to cut down because uh, he just talked for 25 minutes. Alex didn't have to answer it or ask a single question. <laughs> uh, he's remarkable. Jack is the very, very best and so happy to have him involved for sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask how you, you got it together so quickly because it seemed like right after they won the championship, I was like, oh, look, this book's available. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was, uh, that's a, that's a pretty impressive, but that, that explains it that you, you started writing already, but, uh, I would definitely. Yeah, it was sleepless nights. That's, that's how we got <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it was funny. So I had one last thing I had to write for the book. My last responsibility was the blurb on the finals MVP. 
And so I figured Kawhi was going to win it. And look, they were it was clinch day. Like I, They were going to win the title that night, probably. I didn't want to be doing it at home alone. I wanted to go to a bar with friends to watch the game. And so I pre-wrote my blurb on Kawhi Leonard winning finals MVP, just had to plug in a couple of stats and stuff like that from the last game, and figured I'd be okay. It was only like 400 words. It wasn't too big. And then I got really worried because, look, when you are watching a game like that, First of all, you have to be at the bar like three hours before the game just to get a seat because it was the the NBA Finals and it was nuts. And so you have a few pops while you're sitting there (laughs) watching the game. And then I was like feeling good, feeling fine. And the fourth quarter starts and then Fred Van Vliet starts canning three after three after three. And I'm sitting there like, oh, no, (laughs) am I going to have to write a fresh Finals MVP thing on Fred winning it? In this state, I sure hope not. Uh, he ended up getting the one vote. Didn't end up getting the MVP. I was very thankful for that. Uh, and uh, all was good. I finished the book up at about 2 a.m. after I got home. And uh, it was it was awesome. It was it was really, really cool. And uh, I just uh, a real honor to be able to write it as well. I mean, I, I, don't, I was very lucky that it ended up working out that way. I ended up not getting credentialed for the finals just because our site only got one credential. And that went to our fearless editor, Daniel Reynolds, which was fine. Um, but, you know, it ended up Alex thought of me because I wasn't covering games. I had less to do. And he was like, hey, man, like, you're great at this. Want to be in on it. You, you write recaps all the time. This might be perfect for you. And it ended up working out really well. So I'm very thankful and glad it did not get credentialed for the finals because it might not have <laughs> happened otherwise. Well, I would definitely recommend uh, anyone who's a Raptors fan or really just a Canadian. Any Canadian should have this on their coffee table just to, to remember the good times because you know how basketball goes. Right now things are going well for the <laughs> Raptors, but uh, who knows in that maybe in a few seasons they're drafting the next Andrea Briani and – Things that are all oh, going don't say that. <laughs> Colangelo's not in town. He's anymore. Not, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it's good to be prepared. And this book, it's a uh, really great. I've read through it, and the pictures are uh, actually one of my favorite parts. Is just kind of leafing through it and remembering all those. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the photography's awesome. Great moments. So uh, definitely a worthwhile read. And uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I'd recommend everyone can buy it. And where where's the best place to buy it? You can. I got mine at at Indigo. Uh, I know you can get it on Amazon. Is there anything else people should know? Yeah, I would suggest Indigo. If you're in the States, triumphbooks.com is our publisher, so you can get it from there. Um, Kohl's, uh, there's some like sort of boutique bookstores that have it as well. Uh, someone sent a picture of like a gift shop in like northern Ontario that had one. <laughs> so uh, look at your weird local bookstores as well. Don't buy it on Amazon if you can. They, they're not awesome. Uh, gotcha. But Indigo's great. Uh, <laughs> Indigo.ca. <laughs> Uh, and it'll deliver to you, uh, I think, pretty quickly. So if you want it by Tuesday, get that express shipping. You can have it uh, while you watch the ring ceremony and the banner go up. I can I can hold on to it while I'm wearing my Raptors championship gear and uh, looking <laughs> at my Raptors championship photo on the wall. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Uh, always good chatting with you, and you, you offer some great a- insight. So uh, I really appreciate you coming back on. Of course, Phil. Anytime. That was Sean Woodley, host of the Locked On Raptors podcast and co-author of We the Champs. If you liked what you heard on this podcast, please make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget to share it with your friends. You can also check out more podcasts on the app or uh, at CanadaSupport.com. Love to have you there and see all the different content we provide there. 
you can also send me a tweet at Canada's Court if you like what you heard and you want to leave a comment. That's great. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening. Thank you.